Notice that we are going to study some verses from the 18th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, verses beginning from 18th through 48. This section of the 18th chapter is what we have selected to study during this retreat. <coughs> Bhagavad Gita which I am sure all of you know is a dialogue between Lord Krishna and Arjuna the dialogue that took place in the battlefield of Kurukshetra and the reason why this dialogue took place is because Arjuna right in that critical condition Arjuna who is the commander in chief of the Pandava armies a great warrior who came to the battlefield to fight the battle somehow saw the futility of fighting this battle. This battle promised quite a great deal of reward. He was quite capable of winning this battle and the victory then would gain them the kingdom which means all the power and all the pleasure and everything that goes with kingdom. So all of these material achievements were right in front of them, in front of Arjuna. But Arjuna somehow at that time felt that all of this also is not enough, not sufficient, is futile as a matter of fact. Because the pain or the grief that he was feeling at that time, and the possibility of the death of all the near and dear ones, the price that was to be paid in order to gain that victory was not worthwhile at all. And the pain that he discovered in his own heart, he could feel at that time that any amount of material achievement will not be able to remove that pain. He at that time somehow became familiar with some very deep-seated need in his heart. So far perhaps he was not aware of that. That need is always there in every human being. There is always that sadness right there in the, at the, at the bottom of everything. Not totally at the bottom but essentially in, our, in a psychological self that sadness or grief is there. We generally try to manage to avoid it by keeping ourselves busy with one thing or the other and accomplishing various things of life and feeling temporary happiness out of those things and very often the human being tries to avoid that fundamental problem which I guess Arjuna also had been trying all this time but somehow at this moment he just could not avoid it, he had to confront it and so he as we said became familiar with some very deep-seated grief or sadness in his heart and seeing no solution, 
he did not see fighting this battle and the victory and the kingdom and the power and the happy and pleasure also as a solution to deal with that deep-seated sadness or grief. And he himself says, Nahi prapasyami mamapanudhyat yachoka mutchoshnam indriyam avapya bhumam sapatnamrudham rajyam suranam vichadhipatyam O Lord, even if I gain the kingdom of the entire earth, unrivaled kingdom of the whole earth, not only that, but I gain the kingdom of the three worlds, kingdom of your heavens. Even if I gain all of that, I do not see how that will remove this pain that I am suffering in my sense organs, in my heart. And thus, Arjuna realized that he needed a different kind of a solution, that maybe there was something phenomenal that he did not know about life, and that the solution of this problem of this deep-seated grief or sadness lay rather in knowledge rather than in action. And therefore, he submitted himself to Lord Krishna, Shishyasteham Sadhimam Tvam Prapannam O Lord, I am your disciple, I am surrendered to you, I submit myself to you, meaning I place myself at your disposal now. You already had done, in fact, when he, he requested Lord Krishna to become his charioteer, already he had submitted himself to Lord Krishna as far as the battle was concerned. But now he submitted himself to Lord Krishna as far as his life was concerned. Yashriyasyat nishchitam bruhitanme O Lord, please tell me about that, with, uh, tell me that with which I can gain that which is decidedly good. Nishchitam shriyaha, decidedly good in my life. I have been achieving the good now and then, but it is never decidedly good in the sense that the good always is something that is opposed to something bad and therefore the good comes and is displaced by something else. But I want that good, having gained which nothing remains to be gained. And this is how he submitted himself to Lord Krishna and in, in response to this request from Arjuna, Lord Krishna began his teaching. So another important thing also, that Arjuna himself said, Nayotse, O Lord, I will not fight this battle. So Arjuna also had a certain solution in his mind. He told Lord Krishna, Natashreyo Nupashyami Hattvas Vajanamahave, O Lord, I do not see that anything good will come out of fighting this battle, of killing our relatives and near and dear ones, of killing them in this battlefield, I do not see how any good can come. Which means that he did not see this battle, that is his duty. So he had a certain duty in front of him. And he knew what, what, it, is, what it is that he was expected to do, but he did not find any gain or any meaningful outcome of that duty and therefore he says why should I perform this duty because it's going to involve a lot of violence and the gain that I have is victory and kingdom I'm not interested in them and therefore he could not see any worthwhile gain from this action and therefore he said Nayotse O Lord I will not fight this battle and so in a way he wanted to renounce this duty the only way that he could renounce a duty is if he formally took sannyasa. 
because otherwise one cannot give up the duty akarane pratyavayah if you just give up what you are required to do or expected to do then pratyavayah you in fact are liable to a sudden sin sudden dosha and therefore no conscientious person can simply drop his duty the only way arjuna could have given up his duty is by changing his stage of life meaning by formally becoming a renunciate because a renunciate is the one who formally he renounces his duty and therefore in a way arjuna also proposed a solution of his problem as renunciation renunciation of action giving up of the action therefore we find these two important things with reference to bhagavad gita one is arjuna represents every human being and that this deep seated grief or sadness is a fundamental human problem and bhagavad gita has to provide a solution to that and also arjuna's proposal of sanyasa or renunciation so arjuna knew that renunciate is the one who is free and therefore he also thought that by becoming a renunciate that he would also become free from this pain and therefore lord krishna also had to address the means of removal of that sadness or grief what is the role of sanyasa what is the nature of sanyasa or renunciation and therefore lord krishna discusses throughout the bhagavad gita this topic of what we call sanyasa or renunciation because lord krishna does see renunciation as a means of becoming free renunciation as a means of gaining knowledge and knowledge as a means of becoming free so bhagavad gita presents here knowledge knowledge of the self knowledge of the atma so knowledge of reality or truth of myself as a means of becoming free from the sadness because right in the beginning lord krishna says ashochan anvashochastvam here juna you are grieving for that which does not deserve to be grieved for meaning that you think that uh, you are you think that you are going to be a killer of the atma or the self but the self does not die it is nitya it is eternal and therefore you are grieving because you have a wrong notion or wrong concept or wrong perception about your own self and therefore also wrong perception about who the true what the true nature of all these other people is and therefore bhagavad gita says that the cause of grief or sadness is not knowing myself ignorance of myself not only that but then knowing myself wrongly not knowing myself at the same time knowing myself wrongly like not knowing the rope as a rope at the same time knowing the rope as a snake this is what we call the false perception a distorted perception a contrary perception it is this contrary perception of the self that also brings about all other contrary perceptions because my perception of the world is also based on my perception of myself and my perception of god all these different perceptions or the conclusions i have about the world also is ultimately derived from my conclusion or my perception of myself so that is where the correction should take place and that is why lord krishna proceeds to reveal the true nature of the self 
न जायते मृयते वा कदाचित नायम भूतवा भवितावान भूय है अजो नित्य शाश्वतोयम पुराण है न हन्यते हन्यमाने शरीरे हे अर्जुन द सेल्फ इज नीदर बॉर्न नॉर डज इट डाय देर इज समथिंग दैट इज बॉर्न एंड देर इज समथिंग दैट डाइज नो डाउट अबाउट दैट बट हे अर्जुन वाइल समथिंग इन यू इज बींग बॉर्न एंड इज डाइंग but then there is something else in you that is not subject to birth and death there is our lord krishna shows a distinction between what we said the person and the personality the self and the non self arjuna you think that you are the ego or the limited in, 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 in limited individual but that's not what you are when you use the pronoun i in fact that is a combination or union of two factors the person and the personality both of these are lumped together that you have personality consisting of the body mind and sense complex and that personality is subject to birth and subject to death but then you are imputing the birth and death of this personality upon the self and you conclude that you are subject to birth and death and that is what causes the grief न जायते मृयते वा कदाचित तो लॉर्ड कृष्णा से नवाहम जातुनासम एक्सपीरियंस Lord Krishna, what are you saying? These fellows are not going to be around after eighteen days. I know that, and I know that you are born because we are celebrating your birth every Janmashtami every day. How do you say, how do you say that you are not born? I know that maybe you are God, and therefore there is something about you. But I know that I was born, and maybe because I am your devotee, there is something special about me. But I know that all these fellows are born, and they are they are going to die. Arjuna says, "You are right. Lord Krishna says, 'You are right, and I am also right. You are right that you are born, but I am right also that you are not born. How can that be? Only when these two are different standpoints. From one standpoint, Arjuna says, 'I am born, which is right, but Lord Krishna has a different standpoint, from which he says, 'You are not born.'" Arjuna is simply equating his I or the self with his body. And therefore, the birth of the body is equated to the birth of the eye, and therefore he concludes that I or the self is born. Lord Krishna says, "No, when the body is born and the body dies, then also the self, the consciousness, is not born; it does not die. In the impermanent, there is that which is permanent. In the imperishable, there is that which is imperishable. In the changing, there is the changeless." and we will see that in the 18th chapter also there is this personality which is enlivened by the person understand that this body mind sense organ this complex is made of the five elements and therefore it is inert it is insentient by itself 
but that it is imparted sentiency by the person, by the consciousness, and therefore this is sentient. So Arjuna, you are a combination or union of these two entities, the person and the personality. And that not knowing the distinction between the two, where there are two, you take them to be one. And therefore, you are suffering from a sense of mortality because the body is mortal and you take it to be your death. So this is how Lord Krishna reveals the true nature of the self because the wrong perception of the self that is taking the atma of the self to be mortal subject to death taking the self to be ignorant taking the self to be unhappy taking the self to be limited is what causes all the sorrow you are not what you take yourself to be you are not mortal you are not unhappy you are not ignorant you are in fact sat chit ananda you are sat for existence Meaning that you are existence which is not subject to birth and death. You are chit or awareness, that means you are illuminator of everything. You are ananda or fullness, that is what you are. So all of this was told to Arjuna. <coughs> and Lord Krishna also makes it a point to teach the nature of sannyasa or renunciation because how do we gain this knowledge? Some preparation is required to gain this knowledge. Even after listening to this, these words do not always become meaningful to us. Even though we understand in one sense that yes, it makes sense that I cannot be born, but still that doesn't become a reality for me and therefore I continue to behave as a mortal being even though knowing that I am immortal. So there is something that is required in order to bridge the gap between what I understand and what I am. And that is what we call the preparation of the mind, the antahakana shuddhi or the purification of the mind. And therefore, this purification of mind also is required. And therefore, sannyasa, renunciation the means. So Lord Krishna teaches renunciation. And this also became the subject matter of the first 17 verses of the 18th chapter which we discussed earlier. So, 18th chapter opens with this question on the part of Arjuna. Sanyasasya Mahabaho Tattvamichyam Vedadam Tyagasya Charushikesha Prusakkeshi Nishudam O Lord, I want to know what is the truth or what is the secret? What is exactly meant by Sanyasa renunciation? What is meant by Tyaga? What is meant by renunciation? Although Lord Krishna has been teaching renunciation throughout Bhagavad Gita, it is not that Arjuna has not heard about what sannyasa or tyaga means, but he wants to have a concise presentation of that. It is said in many places, and therefore Arjuna wants a very concise and clear understand definition so that he can clearly understand what renunciation means. Because Arjuna could understand that Lord Krishna has been teaching renunciation all along, and therefore the 18th chapter is called the Moksha Sanyasa Yoga meaning the subject matter of 18th chapter is Moksha Sanyasa Moksha means liberation, the freedom that one is seeking freedom from sadness or freedom from grief and what kind of freedom? such freedom that the grief never comes back that kind of freedom because in our life we do get freedom from sadness now and then 
In fact, every night when we go to sleep, when we are fast asleep, we are free from all sadness. But unfortunately, as soon as I wake up, it all comes back to me. Like this man taking a dip in the Ganges. Someone asked Ramakrishna Paramahams that uh, it is said that when a person takes a dip in the Ganges, then all his sin gets, uh, you know, he becomes free from all the sins. So even after taking dips in the Ganges, how come you find the fellow not change at all, not change much? Then Ramakrishna Paramahams said, look what happens is, when this fellow, before he takes a dip into the Ganges, he removes his clothes and places them on the, on the steps of the ghat and then takes a dip in the Ganges. When he takes a dip in the Ganges, all his sins leave. But all the sins go and get stuck to his clothes. And therefore, as soon as he puts on his clothes, they all come back. This is how he explained. And so, it is, that is why it is necessary, I mean, you know, now and then we do get we, when we also plunge into some kind of pleasurable experiences we do become relieved from the grief there are moments when we are happy we are ecstatic also at that time I am completely free from any sadness grief but then unfortunately it has not gone away and again it comes back like the clouds that are covering the sun Momentarily there is a clearance, again they come and cover the sun and similarly also the, the clouds of grief go on coming and covering myself and that's how there are glimpses of happiness or freedom now and then. I don't want that. Yes, Nishitam Bruhitanme, please tell me that means by which I can gain once and for all the freedom from grief once and for all. Atyandika Dukkha Nivrutti, it is said in Sanskrit, that freedom from dukkha or grief once and for all. Niritesh, niratisha, sukhapraptahi, attainment of happiness, also unsurpassable happiness which never goes away. So I want that freedom that the unhappiness having gone away never comes back and happiness having come never goes back. You see, this is what everybody wants. I want happiness that comes and never goes back. I want unhappiness to go and never to come back. And so, this is called moksha. What is moksha? Attainment, elimination of freedom from unhappiness or grief, once and for all. An attainment of unsurpassable happiness, once and for all. Atyantika dukkha nivrutti niradisha sukha avaptihi. This is how they would say in Sanskrit. <coughs> Meaning unconditional freedom, I want from grief, from sadness, and I want fullness also, unconditional happiness I want. That's called moksha. Moksha sannyasa yoga hai. What's the means of that moksha? So moksha is a goal that a human being is seeking. What's the means of attainment of that moksha? Sannyasa. Renunciation is the means of attainment of that moksha. So in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna has in fact delineated in great detail the sannyasa in two stages. Bhagavad Gita talks of sannyasa in two main stages. First stage is sannyasa of the renunciation that takes place while you are still acting. So renunciation that a karma yogi is required to have. So Lord Krishna taught karma yoga. 
What is karma yoga? Performance of our duties in the spirit of offering a worship of the Lord. Performance of my duty. What is this duty? Duty is an action that is appropriate in a given situation. So from morning till evening and day in and day out I confront variety of situations. And every situation expects from me an appropriate response. And therefore an appropriate response in a given situation is called duty. So karmanyivadikaraste Hey Arjuna, this becomes your duty that in every situation you must act in a becoming manner, in a manner that is appropriate for you. How do you expect other people to treat you? In that manner, may you treat other people also. And you would not expect you would expect other people not to treat you in a certain way. Maybe you should not treat them in that way also. You would not want anybody to hurt you. Well, Arjuna, may you not hurt others. You want other people to be kind to you, may you be kind to them. If a situation requires somebody needs help, if you are in that situation needing help, you would expect help from the other person, then if you find somebody needy, stretch, reach out. So basically, duty is an action of reaching out. Because there are always things and people who are always needy, needier than we are. And therefore, reaching out to those who need. Because God has given us certain gifts, certain abilities. It can be, it can be in sense of wealth, power, prestige, recognition, name, or in terms of my knowledge, in terms of my emotions, in, in various things that are given to me. And therefore, whatever you have been given as a gift of gift from God. May you make it available to those who are needy. This is the spirit of duty. Karmanyivadikaraste, it is adhikaraha. It is your duty to perform an action in this spirit. And when you perform that action, perform it in an humble manner. Don't sing, you know, so when you are reaching out or giving charity to somebody, don't have that kind of arrogance thinking that I am giving it to somebody. Do it in humble way. Recognize that it's your privilege to give because there is someone who is, you know, you are not as needy as someone else and God has gifted you or made you fortunate enough to get the resources which someone doesn't have. Other people are not as fortunate as you are and therefore to reach out in a very humble manner. Sangam Chaktva Phalam Chaiva So this is called duty. So in performance of duty also a certain renunciation is required. Because when I want to reach out naturally, I may have to perhaps undergo certain kind of hardship. It is not that I can help somebody or serve somebody without undergoing some hardship and therefore I must be prepared to undergo certain hardship. And also when there is an action of reaching out, I may have to share something that I have and therefore I may have to, you know, share and therefore I may be then, uh, I, I would suffer a stand to, to lose that much. So must be willing to share, must be willing to take the hardship, then alone we can perform this duty. So that's, there is the spirit of renunciation involved even in performance of duty. 
when I want to help somebody, when I have to my duty to somebody, then naturally their need becomes more important than my need. And therefore, I have to sub, uh, my need becomes subservient. I must subjugate my need to the need of the other person, and that is called renunciation. So Lord Krishna teaches the Bhagavad Gita that renunciation need not mean that you are changing the way of life, that you are taking to a life of renunciate only. But that, even when you are doing your day-to-day activity, then also there can be a spirit of renunciation. And that is how the renunciation will require that you have to set aside your own likes and dislikes and rather identify with the likes and dislikes of the one whom you want to serve. Suppose here is a disciple serving the teacher. Forget about disciple and teacher. Let us talk of a cook, let us say, who comes, you know, to the ashram. We have a cook who comes part-time to the ashram. When he comes to the ashram and cooks the food, what will be the taste of that food? I mean, you know, when he adds spices and stuff like that, who does he keep in mind? Does he make cook the food according to his taste or does he cook the food according to the taste of the Swami? When the cook comes, he cooks the food according to the taste or liking of the Swami. So if the Swami likes bland food, he does that. If you go to his house, then the food will be quite different. The sabji will, will be floating in oil and also it will be red. This is chili powder, red chili powder also is just floating there. This is their idea of good food. But then the Swami's idea of good food is that it must be bland. The chili should not even touch it, less, you know. So he does that. And that's what he eats, you know. Then when we are finished with the food and whatever he gets, so he has to do with what he is given. The idea is that when he is performing his duty, when he is serving someone then, his own likes and dislikes or his own preferences have to be set aside and he must identify with the preference of the one whom he is serving. This is a simple thing. And therefore performance of the duty requires me to set aside my preferences. That's a great renunciation really. All women who perform their duties in their home, men also must be performing duty, but I guess in Indian system, it is women who generally require to perform the duties. Towards the husband, towards the family, towards in-laws, towards this, towards that, and so forth. And everyone knows. And of course, men also perform duty to their parents, to their elder brothers, and whatever, and to their children. How it becomes necessary to set aside my preferences, Child says, child says, mom, every day you're cooking the same thing, I don't like it, you know, why don't you cook something else, you know, cook some pasta. Mother may not like it, but because the child wants it, all right. And thus, this, this kind of a uh, attitude or this spirit of setting aside my preferences and identifying with or giving importance to preference of the other is a spirit that is always involved in performance of duty. That is called renunciation. The renunciation of my preferences, my likes and my dislikes. That is called you know, the renunciation of Raga and Dvesha. So Lord Krishna talks of this renunciation. Anashrita karma phalam 
कार्यम कर्म करो दिया है सन्यासी चयोगी चाहिए ड्यूटी दैट इज रिक्वायर्ड परफॉर्म विदाउट एक्सपेक्टिंग एनी रिवॉर्ड एनी पर्सनल रिवॉर्ड ऑफ रिकग्निशन एंड अप्रिसिएशन एक्सेट्रा सन्यासी चयोगी चाहिए सन्यासी एज वेल एज योगी प्रिपेडनेस to live aside my own preferences my own likes and dislikes my own needs in preference to someone else's needs someone else's likes and dislikes someone else's demands and therefore spirit is to give up the demands become a non demanding person so that is called a sanyasi who is so the process of becoming a sanyasi is the process of becoming a non demanding person When you're non-demanding person, then you do with whatever is given to you. That means one who submits himself at the altar of the Lord, at the altar of the destiny. So karma yogi is not a full sannyasi as yet, but he is a sannyasi or renunciate in making, and therefore that is the first level of sannyasi. So when Arjuna asked, "Please teach me." The secret of what is sannyasa, Lord Krishna said, "Kamyanam karmanamyasam sannyasam kavayoviduhu sarva karma falatyaagam prahustyaagam vichakshanaha." Here, Juna, whether you call it sannyasa or you call it tyaga, both of them mean essentially the same. They mean renunciation. And what is renunciation? Renunciation is giving up the attachment to the fruits of the action. and there is a lot of confusion or rather misunderstanding about what is meant by giving of attachment to the rewards result of action swami ji are you trying to tell me that when i'm shooting an arrow i mean i am indifferent to where the arrow falls and therefore i just shoot it when i'm cooking food it doesn't matter what the taste is and therefore they want to eat it they may eat it i don't care because you say that i am indifferent to the result so being indifferent to the results or not attached to the result does it mean that you just do anything without any kind of concern you know to what you do no karmanyavadikara say you must take the responsibility for your action and therefore whatever action you undertake you must take it in a responsible undertake in a responsible manner which means that you must submit samasamyak aachara so do it very well and perform an action for a certain result also for a certain outcome without the keeping outcome in mind nobody can perform an action so when i shoot an arrow there is a certain target in my mind and without keeping the target in mind there is no 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 nobody can shoot the arrow and therefore it is taken for granted that whenever i perform an action suddenly a certain outcome is in mind and keeping that outcome or goal in mind i perform the action but there is one kind of an outcome there is another kind of an outcome also associated with the result and that is my personal 
outcome, personal reward. When an action is performed well or successfully then, there is an expectation in my mind of personal reward also that the world will appreciate me, that they will give me recognition. And thus there will be what we call the gratification of ego or glorification of ego. This is also what we are generally asking for while performing an action. This is a very subtle thing. It is not something that is evident. But usually whenever I perform, an, whenever I am going to do something, naturally performance of an action involves exertion on my part and I will not be willing to exert myself unless there is something to be gained at the personal level. And what is to be gained at the personal level? That some self-glorification, some recognition, some gratification of ego, some reward. So naturally when I cook food, I want to make sure that the food is cooked properly. And when the guests are visiting here, that they are served well. And that is of course my duty. At the same time, that is also in my mind a certain expectation that the guests would at least utter a few words of appreciation. Oh, this was wonderful. Oh, oh, this samosa is wonderful. The sambar is excellent. This is this and so forth. Oh, I've never had this kind of food before. Oh, something like that. Some few words of appreciation. Then I feel good about myself. So, while I perform an action, not only am I seeking a certain outcome that is food is cooked, but I also have a personal agenda in performing an action that is what? Is to get a certain recognition, certain appreciation. It is that which makes me feel good today. It is not enough for me that the action that I performed was well done, but then it is necessary for me today that I should get some recognition on on account of having performed an action. If you see the difference between these two aspects, that, as I said, when I go to work, I do my work. Whether I am a doctor, I am an engineer, whatever I am. As a doctor, I treat my patients. And for that I get certain, you know, uh, remuneration also. But apart from that, I also am seeking some kind of a self-satisfaction. Swamiji, there is no job satisfaction. You mean they don't pay you money or what? They don't give you salary? No, they give me. There is no job satisfaction. I don't get satisfaction from a job. <coughs> Nobody cares for what I do, Swamiji. Are you a boss? He doesn't care. Nobody seems to take note of what I do. Nobody seems to care for what I do. And therefore, I don't seem to count. So I want to be counted. I want to be important. I want to feel that I am important enough, that I count, that I feel good about myself. And therefore, there is this need of what we call the recognition. There is this image that I have, a certain ego that I have, and I want certain gratification of ego, certain glorification of ego. So this ego also comes into play whenever I perform an action. Lord Krishna says, cut that out, that much, that part. Perform the action, perform it well. But then, without demand that, this action also should bring you some self-glorification. So without demanding self-glorification, may you perform an action.
This is what is called renunciation. First level of renunciation. Sarva karma parit, sarva karma falatyagaha, prahus tyagam vichakshanaha, karma falatyaga. Meaning renunciation of that self glorification or self gratification. <coughs> and this is how the discussion in the 18th chapter began. Lord Krishna said, therefore, that he Arjuna, that in my opinion the action should not be renounced. You should not give up your duty. Here you know, these three kind of duties should never be given up. Everybody should have in their life yajna. Yajna means worship. There must be worship of God. Dhanam. Dhanam means charity. Sharing with those who are needy. Tapaha means austerity. A simplicity in life. So at my level, personal level, austerity or simplicity, demanding minimum, consuming minimum. Then in my daily routine, a prayerful attitude as well as performance of worship of the Lord. And my relationship with the society, dhanam or charity, an action of reaching out. As I say, the charity need not merely be in the form of money, it can be in the form of whatever it is that I have. If I have time, I donate my time. If I have physical energy, I donate that. Whatever it is that I have, well, reaching out, that is called dhanam. Lord Krishna says that these three must be there. Worship of God in recognition of what all privileges I am enjoying from God. Sharing with the needy members of the society is called dhanam. And in your personal life, your life should be as austere, as simple, as less demanding, as minimum consumption, as far as you are concerned, tapaha or austerity. Lord Krishna says, these three should not be given up. Why is it so? Because these three are pavananimanishanam. When they are performed intelligently, they bring about self-purification. So we said that self-purification or purification of mind is a necessity for in order that I can gain this knowledge or I can gain an abidance in this knowledge. Itanyapitu karmani sangam tyaktva phalani cha kartavyaniti me parsa nishchitam matamutvam that when you perform these actions, when you give out one charity, then also do it as best as possible without demanding any personal reward. Otherwise I may give charity all right, but then I make sure that there is a plaque. Swam Vidyatatmananda donated $59, whatever it is, you know. A plaque, so that the world knows. And thus, there is nothing wrong in it, but that is called attachment to the result. Seeking some personal gratification, self-glorification or ego gratification. Lord Krishna says, perform your actions of worship, actions of charity, actions of austerity, giving up this element of seeking a personal reward. May you not have any personal agenda as far as performance of your duty is concerned. You identify with the agenda of the one whom you are reaching out without any personal agenda on your part. And if it, that is what should be done. 
This body is called the first level of sannyasa. Karya mithyavet karma, niyatam kriyate rjuna, sangam tetva phalam chayiva, satyaga sattvika mataha. This is called sattvika tyaga, this is called real renunciation where one performs the duty and without expectation of the reward, personal reward. On the other hand, there is somebody who gives up action because it is too painful and it is just exertion, you know. And that is inconvenient, therefore somebody renounces. He says, no, that is a tyaga or renunciation born of rajas. There is somebody who does not understand the value of the karma, therefore he gives it up. That's a renunciation born of tamas. And therefore, be a sattvic renunciate, meaning perform your duties and perform them as selflessly or in as non-demanding way as you can. So Lord Krishna likes a non-demanding person or he wants us to become non-demanding people. But Swamiji, if I become non-demanding, what will happen to me? Well, there is a provisional scheme of things that everybody is taken care of. We'll, we'll talk about that. But this is how the renunciation has been discussed. And what happens? If you just live a non-demanding life, doing what you have to do, do you have, do, is there something that you accomplish? Lord Krishna says, yes, we accomplish a great deal. Tyagi sattva samavishtaha medhavi chinna samshaya. In the tenth verse it was said, Tyagi, this renunciate becomes sattva samavishtaha he becomes sattvic, meaning that slowly and slowly he gains a purification of mind and therefore he in course of time becomes one of pure intellect. Medhavi, on account of that purity of the mind, he gains a grasping power, he can understand what the scriptures mean. See this morning we are talking about the word and the meaning. That when a word part is uttered, then the meaning strikes in my mind. I know what pot means, I know what tree means, I know what a book means, I know, I mean, you know, so, however, when the word Brahman is uttered, it doesn't do anything in my mind. So for that word also to become meaningful to me, it is required that I should have a mind which is called the Shuddha Antahkaranam or a pure mind, an objective mind, free from these attachments and aversions, free from the demands. So Lord Krishna says that in order that this study of the scripture can become meaningful to you, you require that kind of some the purity of the mind, then these words will become meaningful. So therefore, in order for us to gain the knowledge. It is also necessary to have the organ or instrument of knowledge in your mind also which is prepared. Tyagi sattva samavishtaha medhavi chinna samshaya And then when this person with a mind which is thus tranquil, contemplative, when he exposes himself to the teaching, then medhavi, suddenly he gains knowledge, chinna samshaya all his doubts and all his, uh, and all his complexes are gone and thus he becomes a person who gains an abiding wisdom, what we call a person who is liberated while living.
जीवन मुक्त है न द्वेष्टि अकुशलम कर्मा कुशले नानु सज्जते देन यू फाइंड हिम टू बी टोटली नॉन रिएक्टिव पर्सन एंड फॉर हिम एवरीथिंग इज फाइन नॉट दैट आई प्रेफरेंस दैट आई वांट दिस एंड आई डू नॉट वांट दैट व्हेन ही कन्फ्रंट्स अ सिचुएशन एवरी सिचुएशन आल्सो इज फाइन फॉर हिम देयर इज नथिंग दैट इज फेवरेबल नथिंग दैट इज अनफेवरेबल एवरीथिंग इज फाइन सो दिस इज हाउ लॉर्ड कृष्णा प्रोसीडेड and also ultimately concluded the 17th verse he said also very important thing that lord krishna said in those verses is he also told us the mechanism of how the action takes place who performs the action in the third chapter we were told prakrutehe kriyamanani gunaihi karmani sarvashah ahankar vimudhatma kartaham iti manyate yurjana look it is a personality made up of this prakriti or the matter from the three gunas sattva rajas tamas from which this personality is made this body mind complex that is what performs all the actions the atma the self is always actionless never participates doesn't perform the action in the presence of a self all the actions get performed like in presence of magnet the iron filings automatically move have motion similarly also in the presence of the self this personality gets enlivened and it performs all the actions therefore there is no sense of agency in the action, in the self in the in this chapter also said panchaitani mahabaho karanani bodhame learn from me that this five are responsible for performance of all the actions अधिष्ठानम तथा करता करणम च पृथग्विधम विदाश्च पृथक्चेष्टा दैवम सेवात्र पंचमम लुक अर्जुन इट इज बॉडी द सेंस ऑर्गन्स दिस प्राण द वाइटल एयर दिस अहंकार द ईगो एंड द प्रिसाइडिंग डेट दैवम दिस फाइव टुगेदर दे आर रिस्पॉन्सिबल फॉर परफॉर्म्स ऑल द एक्शंस वेयर व्हाट इज द रोल ऑफ आत्मा व्हाट इज द रोल ऑफ सेल्फ इन परफॉर्म्स ऑफ एक्शन सेल्फ इज एवर एक्शनलेस And therefore, whatever action is performed at the level of body, or the speech, or the mind, it is these five that are responsible for. There is anatma, the non-self, the personality is primarily responsible for performance of action. The person, the self, is just of the nature of the presence, ever action. Tatayvam sadikartaram, atmanam kevalam tu yah. पश्यत्युद्धिवाद न स पश्यति दुर्मति इवन दो इट इज सो द सेल्फ इज एक्शनलेस यूर प्योर एंड स्टिल समन लुक्स अपॉन सेल्फ एज एज एंड एक्शन ही डज नॉट नो यहां कृत भाव उद्दीर्यस्प्यते हवापि सैमान लोकान न हंति निबंधते एंड फाइनली द सेवेंटीन वर्स कंक्लूडेड दैट वन who is free from the sense of ego free sense of ego it from sense of doership that is one who has the true knowledge of one's own self and knows that i the self is actionless hatva bisayman lokan na hantina nibadyade he may appear to perform the actions he may appear to even fight the battle he may appear to even kill the enemies even then in fact he does not do anything so from the standpoint of the outsiders or the onlookers it may appear as though the wise man is performing actions 
but from his own standpoint he does not perform action at all because he knows his identification is no more with the body since we identify the body with the self therefore when the body performs action we automatically say that the self or the atma has performed the action when the fan moves for example we may take for granted that electricity rotates the fan electricity says i don't rotate the fan i am just there electricity is just present in the presence of electricity the fan rotates without electricity the fan cannot rotate but at the same time the electricity does not have any agency does not have any effort in in, in rotating the fan all that is there is electricity is just present that's an example of how things take place in the present because all the rotating potential is there in the fan there's a motor there and so the rotating potential is there in the fan itself electricity doesn't come and turn the fan electricity just comes and is there in presence of electricity the fan rotates electricity enlivens that motor and that's how the fan rotates similarly also the self enlivens this personality and thus in presence of self all the actions take place just as electricity does not participate in rotating the fan and so also the self or the atma or i does not participate in performance of action this knowing the self as actionless is the ultimate sanyasa so two levels of sanyasa renunciation are presented by lord krishna one is the sanyasa renunciation of a karma yogi where in fact is performing action he has sense of doership also he still has a subtle ego but still is renouncing what we call his demands his expectations or his demands of personal reward this is what he renounces ultimately he grows into what in he becomes a real sanyasi so who is a real sanyasi the one who is free from the notion of doership one who knows the self as actionless he is a sanyasi renunciate by virtue of knowledge in in vedanta is called vidvat sanyasi that is sanyasi renunciate by virtue of knowledge so lord krishna does not ever describe bhagavad gita as sanyasi wearing a certain robe lord krishna always talks of the spirit of sanyasa rather than the form of sanyasa so thus in describing the sanyasa first level of sanyasa is that of karma yogi renunciation of one's own likes and dislikes and ultimate level of sanyasa is what we call vidvat sanyasi the sanyasa renunciate by virtue of knowledge in between there is an in between level of sanyasa also which we say which discussion also will come later on is what we call vividisha sanyasi that means the sanyasa renunciate who is renounce the duties for the sake of pursuit of knowledge this lord krishna does talk of two ways of life an active life and a contemplative life and therefore in, in between level of sanyasi the renunciate who is renounce actions or duties for the pursuit of knowledge so karma yogi vividisha sanyasi and vidvat sanyasi these three levels of sanyasa are described by lord krishna and this form the subject matter of the first 17 chapters of 17 verses of this 18th chapter
and thus really speaking this topic of sannyas is concluded and now lord krishna proceeds also to explain further how the self is ever actionless and where actions are performed and also to help us in order for purification of our own mind to help us how to make various choices to help us in which direction we have to grow our personality is described in detail by lord krishna in the following verses and therefore this is what we will be discussing what are the different aspects of our personality our intellect is one performance of karma is another one nature of karma is that another one and so these are all going to be categorized in the three categories sattva rajas and tamas so we'll we'll show here on the board what is sattva rajas and tamas and how lord krishna describes the different aspects of personality in in these three ways and that is how from the 18th verse of the 18th chapter our discussion will continue in the next class Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam सूत्रभाष्यकृतौ वंदे भगवंतौ पुनःपुनः ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मेति मूर्तिभेद विभागिने व्योमावद्व्याप्त देहाय दक्षिणामूर्तये नमः